I'm Katie Quinn, and this is my show Q. Q is an interview show that talks about Missouri. I was born and raised in St. Louis, and now I go to the University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou. I'm just trying to get the word out there about what's going on in our state. I interview experts on issues that may have been unseen by the public. This week, it's all about the Ameren plant in Franklin County. The Labadee Energy Center runs on coal and releases sulfur dioxide into the air. Sulfur dioxide is okay for the public to breathe as long as it does not exceed a certain level determined by the Environmental Protection Agency. The Labadee plant is a part of a new proposal, which would make it attainable. Attainment means that it's meeting air quality standards. The last few years, Labadee was under question because there was not enough data to determine if it was meeting those standards. Now, under the Trump administration, air quality standards have changed and the EPA plans on granting the Ameren Energy Center a stamp of approval. We are going to start from the beginning. What is sulfur dioxide and why does it matter to us? To help with this conversation, I talked to the Director for Clean Air at the American Lung Association. So what, you wanted to talk about sulfur dioxide. Yes, I did. Explain what sulfur dioxide first is and where it comes from for me, please. Sure. It's a, it's a gaseous air pollutant. It's a mixture of sulfur and oxygen. It forms when sulfur-containing fuel like coal or oil or diesel is burned. Um, and it also converts in the atmosphere to sulfates, which is a big part of fine particle pollution, mostly in the eastern U.S., though, not, not in our part of the country. Um, <clears throat> and you, you asked... Has there been an increase in sulfur dioxide in the air um, since coal plants have been more popularized over the years? Um, in the well, age? I think... Uh, Coal-fired power plants, there are more of them, but there are, are also more restrictions on their emissions. So um, you would need to look at data from each year over decades and decades. But um, as, as there become more of them, there become more restrictions. There also have been tighter restrictions nationwide on air pollution of all sorts. Um, the, the largest sources of sulfur dioxide emissions is, you probably already know this, is electricity generation, industrial boilers, and other big industrial processes like petroleum refining. And then also diesel engines, specifically older ones, um, trains, ships, and then off-road diesel equipment. So diesel has also diesel fuel has also gotten cleaner over the last few decades through regulation. So that will change the amount of sulfur in those emissions. The levels are lower. Um, but you're right. Coal-fired power plants are one of the biggest sources especially in the eastern U.S., but we have a lot of coal-fired power plants, too, in our part of the country. 
can you explain um, the effect sulfur dioxide can have on individual's health? Sure. Um, these are similar to health effects that you would find from other air pollutants. Uh, wheezing, shortness of breath, chest, chest tightness, um, and that's even exacerbated during exercise or any kind of heavy physical activity. Um, reduced lung function. And then if, say that you have asthma or other lung disease, and the levels of sulfur dioxide are higher, you know, if you're having a short exposure to a peak level of SO2, then it might be harder for you to breathe outside if you have asthma, for example. Um, and say you're exercising and that leads to rapid breathing, then the lower respiratory tract can get affected by the SO2 or if you're breathing through your mouth. Um, if you look at there are, if you look at higher SO2 days, there are, there's an increased risk of hospital admissions for people who are more susceptible to, you know, the people, the sensitive populations like children, older people and people with asthma. My name is David Bryan, B-R-Y-A-N. David Bryan at uh, EPA Region 7 Office of Public Affairs. David Bryan is public affairs for the EPA and is a part of the new proposal with AMRIN. He discusses the EPA's choice to make AMRIN attainable and allowing it to meet air quality standards. New EPA proposal is actually to designate an area of Franklin County and a small area in St. Charles County uh, as as in attainment for the uh, so uh, let me start over again. Jeez, Louise, that's just awful. Uh, what EPA is proposing is that the Franklin County, St. Charles County area, encompassing the uh, Ameren Lavity Energy Center, uh, be designated as in attainment of the sulfur dioxide standard. And why did the EPA decide to redesignate the Labadee Ameren plant? Well, the the plant actually uh, this is a, a long term project. In uh, in 2010, we established a new standard for sulfur dioxide. Uh, in 2015, uh, we found that it was unclassifiable in this particular area because uh, there wasn't enough data uh, to classify a, uh, a contaminant like sulfur dioxide. We need three years of data, uh, and the monitors that we had at that particular point were not giving the giving us the information that was valuable enough to indicate whether the uh, whether the plant was actually uh, meeting the standards associated with sulfur dioxide. Uh, so in that particular designation, we said that designation was unclassifiable and that we need, needed more information. Uh, what that does is task uh, the state of Missouri and Ameren, the company that owns the plant, uh, to establish a monitoring network that would actually give us the information uh, necessary to 
to uh, classify whether the the uh, the area is under attainment or not. Um, with that, uh, in 2017, uh, we started with a four monitor network uh, that started providing and and calculating uh, the emissions and the the uh, sulfur dioxide in the air. Uh, in and around Franklin County and parts of St. Charles County. Currently, in your news release that you uh, put out, you said that the sulfur dioxide levels are between 18 to 38 parts per billion. Um, obviously, this is meeting the air quality standards. Is there a place that the public can see this research and progress that you made with the Lebedee plant? Yes, if, uh, if the public wants to see more information about uh, the technical information associated uh, with this attainment designation, all they have to do is go to our sulfur dioxide page on the uh, EPA website, uh, and it will show uh, an, a link to that. Or they can go to our news release on the Region 7 uh, uh, news page, uh, and the news release is called Labity Area Proposed for Attainment of National Sulfur Dioxide Air Quality Standard. So that particular release has a link in it uh, to the data that we have posted online. Uh, now, I would tell you that the technical data is exhausting, and uh, there is a large amount of data there uh, for anybody that wants to take a look at it. Who votes on the EPA proposal? No, it isn't exactly a vote. Um, what what the law establishes, the Clean Air Act establishes that we have to we have to establish national ambient air quality standards. Uh, sulfur dioxide is one of those, and uh, most of the public will know uh, particulate matter or ozone. Um, there's also uh, lead and carbon monoxide as part of those. Uh, as part of those standards. Uh, what we do is we say, you know, that the standard has to be set for this in this particular instance at 75 parts per billion. Uh, what happens after that is once we get data that shows uh, what the area is doing as far as, uh, as, as these contaminants in the air, uh, we propose whether to uh, say that it's in, either in attainment, uh, non-attainment of the standard, or unclassifiable. Uh, a designation of attainment means that it's meeting all the obligations associated with, with uh, the pollution standards. Uh, what then happens is that we provide uh, this proposed uh, designation for public comment where uh, anyone can actually submit to EPA uh, reasons in support or, uh, or non-support of our proposal. Uh, we then have to go through each and every comment to make sure that we've, uh, uh, we've been able to answer any questions that people may have and that we've been able to review the information that's submitted. Your initial release also talks about that usually the state of Missouri or the governor requests redesignation uh, for Ammon plants, but you got uh, the EPA decided to do this on their own. Why did the EPA make that choice? Well, Missouri uh, Department of Natural Resources is going through a process, a state process, 
to do exactly that, to provide a request to EPA uh, to uh, designate the area as payment. Uh, but they have to go through some public hearings and things like that uh, through state regulations to uh, actually do that. We are under a mandate from the court, uh, from federal court, to actually complete the SO2 designations uh, before December. Uh, that's why we uh, wanted to go ahead and do that that redesignation now. Uh, so it will be done before that court order deadline in the fact that uh, the state and EPA agree uh, through the modeling and through the, uh, the actual uh, monitoring data uh, that uh, the area is, area is in attainment for sulfur dioxide. Is there any concern of the effects that sulfur dioxide can have on a person's health? Because well, I know that, good. well, let me finish. I know that the redesignation meets the quality standards, uh, but can't still the output that Amron's putting out of sulfur dioxide still harm the elderly, children, people with asthma, et cetera? Um, that's what the standard is for. Is this the health-based standard of 75 parts per billion? Is uh, basically what we're saying is the one our standard. If it exceeds this, those particular vulnerable uh, communities will be affected. If it does not exceed that, what we're saying is uh, there is a level that uh, uh, that is safe uh, for people who are living in the area. Uh, one of the things that we have to do is take into account as our prime, when we do a, a primary source uh, type designation like this is to take that into account. So that is the primary thing that we're looking at is, uh, is it helpful for the people that live there? And if not, what would we uh, uh, require people to do to make it helpful? And then lastly, a federal judge last year believed that Amron had not reduced enough emissions at the Rush Island plant, and this judge uh, decided that the best way to do to help combat combat immense air pollution would be to uh, go to the Labadee Amron Energy Center and help reduce emissions there. Yet the EPA is saying that they meet the air qualifications. Why are you guys going against this judge's previous decision from last year? Well, the judge's ruling uh, was for the, the, the Rush Island plant. Um, this is a totally different uh, center and a totally different area. Yes, but he said that he wanted to make reduce emissions at the Labadee plant because of the Rush Island plant. And we're aware of that. The Sierra Club is uh, the nation's oldest and largest grassroots environmental organization. Um, we work on um, a variety of issues from air quality, uh, public Andy Knott is a member of the Sierra Club, an organization in St. Louis that focuses on air pollution and preventing it. Knott is against the EPA's approval of the Labadee plant. We talk about the monitoring systems Amron uses to collect data. He'll explain more here. The problem is that they're not—they're currently not monitoring it well enough. <laughs> that's, that's kind of our main, right. our main issue. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, what what the EPA is proposing is some of this is a little wonky. So I might talk about it in a in sort of a technical sense, but then also try to try to boil it down after that. But 
essentially right now the area around the Lavity coal plant is considered unclassifiable as to whether or not it meets public health standards for sulfur, sulfur air pollution. Um, and uh, what that means is that there, there, EPA has determined that there's not enough data to decide whether or not it meets the public health standard or it fails the public health standard. And so what EPA proposed uh, just in the last week was to, um, was to move that to um, a move that to a, a, a classification that's saying that it is attaining the public health standard or that this area now meets the public health standard. So um, what that means is that, um, that uh, there will be no additional requirements placed on Ameren's Labity coal plant uh, in order to reduce sulfur emissions. So um, you know, one reason why this is significant is that uh, the Labity coal plant is the largest in the country that does not have modern pollution controls for sulfur pollution uh, and that has not been slated for retirement. Um, so essentially it's, it's the largest, it is the largest plant. Actually, no, I, I, let, me, let me restate that because, um, uh, because actually the other plant that I mentioned now has uh, pollution controls on it. So let me just say that the Labity coal plant is the largest in the country that does not have modern pollution controls on it for sulfur pollution. And why do you think that they decided to not uh, put this Ameren plant into retirement or to try and add more controls? Why do you think that is? Well, Ameren is stuck in an antiquated business model where they are relying on, on dirty coal to generate electricity. They are about to release a new long-range plan next month, and our hope is that they will take a different direction and actually propose uh, more clean energy and uh, new retirement dates for its coal plants. So, um, you know, we're, we're at a point. We're going to be at a point here in the next month where we'll see a new proposal from Ameren on what direction they're going to be heading into the future. Do you think that they use this antiquated business model because of money? I, I think part of it is, is that it's also just, um, it's, it's also just that uh, they have, Ameren has not really embraced new technology. Uh, such as wind and solar. In their last long-range plan, uh, three years ago, they started to move in that direction, uh, which was a good sign, uh, but they did not really, uh, they did not propose moving up any of their retirement dates into the near term, into the next 10 years. And so, um, you know, I think it's, a lot of it is just that they are, um, they're stuck in their ways and, um, uh, again, our hope is that this new plan that will come out next month will signal uh, a stronger shift towards clean energy. Why do you think the EPA has, you know, decided to make this choice instead of adding um, more monitors, like monitors uh, for sulfur dioxide? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, 
I mean, this is this is the latest in a series of bad decisions by the Trump administration that ignore science. Uh, you know, the, the Trump administration is very pro-polluter, very pro-coal, and um, you know, this is just sort of the latest example of that. Uh, and and uh, EPA has made these kinds of proposals in a few different areas around the country. Um, so it's it's not out of character for uh, the Trump administration to uh, to to do something that is uh, favorable towards the coal industry. I would also add that um, the courts don't. Uh, tend to agree with the Trump administration on these issues. Uh, just last month, uh, on a similar issue around a different pollutant, uh, uh, it's called ozone pollution or smog pollution in uh, Jefferson County, uh, the D.C. Circuit Court overturned an EPA decision to, or an EPA proposal to um, uh, classify that area as meeting the public health standard. So um, the, the EPA does not have a great track record in terms of making these decisions that are uh, in line with the Clean Air Act. Our, our goal is to get the current EPA to drop this proposal. There will be a, a public comment period that will start soon um, and we'll be submitting comments uh, into that docket to convince the EPA that this is the wrong direction, uh, and that uh, you know there isn't there isn't enough data to show that this area is meeting the public health standard. They Ameren has refused to put an air monitor in locations where uh, where it would it would actually pick up the air pollution at its highest levels. Uh, so our our goal is to first get this EPA. To, um, to halt this proposal. It's just a proposal at this point. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. And we're actually seeing more and more research. Um, a study came out last fall about how uh, the impact of fine particles on um, black and uh, communities of color are actually fairly high. So it's an environmental justice issue as well. And um, uh, yeah, sulfur dioxide is, uh, is just a very dangerous uh, lung irritant and uh, cause many, many health issues. If the EPA proposal does not go through, would the monitoring just stay the same as it was beforehand? So that, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, the monitors would stay there, although um, at some point, uh, there would probably be a move, a, an effort. Amber will probably want to remove the air monitors, which um, would be a very dangerous uh, uh, thing to happen because then there'd be there'd be no monitoring in the area. You know, our our point is that they don't have enough monitors. Um, we would be very concerned if uh, following this proposal, if there was a uh, a new proposal to actually remove the monitors. Why would Ameren want to remove the air monitors? Well, I mean, they they don't want they don't want any possibility that there might that they might show some problem in the future. Um, so, uh, I mean, they have they as far as I know, they have not proposed that yet. Uh, but 
that could be a tactic that that uh, that they could take in the future. Um, so yeah. Anytime we would see that an area is exceeding one of those standards, then we would come in, develop a plan that would include uh, requiring them to install new emission control technology, um, other enforceable agreements on production limits and things like that, fuel changes. That Mark Leith works for the state and is a part of implementing the plan to make the Ameren plant attainable. The Air Pollution Control Program works with both the EPA and AMRIN to make sure all the required steps um, are taken. Our compliance enforcement section, they ensure that all the air pollution sources follow all the laws and regulations that are designed to protect air quality. Where there's laws or regulations that are not being followed, they would go in, develop corrective action plan. We also have funds, and right now there's actually an application period open where folks can apply to install electric vehicle charging stations uh, at our highways around the state to kind of eliminate that barrier to electric vehicle adoption so that folks can kind of get from any area of the state to any other area without fear of like running out of charge of their battery in their electric vehicle. Does air pollution say from cars in Missouri add up to the same amount that air pollution comes from an energy plant, for example? So like sulfur dioxide, which is kind of what the focus of this redesignation action is, that's going to be a lot more of an electric utility pollutant than vehicles. Um, but there's things like nitrogen dioxide um, and volatile organic compounds that, you know, it's going to be a little bit, it, it's pretty comparable if you look fleet-wide across the state of Missouri um, with the electric utilities and the vehicles that about the same amount of pollution roughly would be emitted from those two uh, source categories. Currently, Ameren does not plan on placing more monitoring systems around their plant after this new rule. Is Missouri still going to regulate their air pollution at the same rate? Are they going to request Ameren to put more monitoring systems in? Right. So the monitors are intended to kind of measure what are those air pollutant concentrations around the facility. Um, you know, going forward, you know, the regulations that control air pollution, those are all going to remain in place. So they're, they're, Ameren is subject to numerous uh, air quality laws and regulations. Um, they're subject to like what's called the utility mercury and air toxic standard where they're required to control all their air toxics. Um, we're currently writing a plan for all the utilities in the state under the affordable clean energy rule where we're going to regulate kind of CO2 emissions and make sure that all the plants are operating as efficiently as they can. Regional haze planning, um, we, we kind of are developing a plan to ensure that emissions of, of nitrogen oxides and sulfur dioxide levels aren't impacting visibility in kind of our federally protected class one areas. Um, there's ozone planning that's, that's going to be going on where we'll likely take a look at volatile organic compounds and nitrogen oxide emissions at all the, all the sources, uh, mainly in the St. Louis region. And then Ameren's subject also to the cross-state air pollution rule, which is essentially a cap-and-trade program, which, which kind of caps the amount of sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxide pollution that they can emit into the air. How has air quality standards changed in the last five years? You talked about that there's always um, a new standard or a new type of release of data. How, how has it changed? Okay. So in 2010 uh, was when this sulfur dioxide was under the previous uh, President Obama's administration. 
And it was, it was lowered quite a bit. There used to be, I believe, three different standards. There was an annual standard, a 24-hour standard, a three-hour standard. And then this is a one-hour standard, which is, is, is a much lower averaging time than what there was previously. It's actually 80% less than what the three-hour standard was previously. So the standard right now is 75 parts per billion, and it's based on a one-hour average. Um, I believe that the standard was reviewed uh, a few years back, and the decision was made to go ahead and retain the 2010 standard without revising it. They felt like it was still protective of, of public health with an adequate margin of safety. Why do you think they, uh, the administration changed to this one-hour standard? Do you have any idea for that? Yeah, so, so when they do their review, they, they kind of gather all the latest scientific evidence, so including like epidemiological studies, controlled human exposure studies, those types of things. And then, you know, a group of scientists and um, policymakers kind of gather all that information, determine, you know, what is the risk to public health based on what our current standards are, and then what would be needed to ensure that we are protecting public health. And then that, that large group of folks then kind of make recommendations and policy, and EPA makes the ultimate decision on what the standard should be. After I talked to the EPA, they had mentioned that uh, they chose that the plant now meant it met air quality standards, yet typically this proposal was sent in uh, by Missouri offices. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for me? Yeah, so, so redesignations, they can be initiated by either EPA or the state, it typically, you know, starts out with a state-initiated process. For for Missouri um, and all states, really, we're out, we're required to certify the ambient monitoring data by May 1st, and so we were waiting for to ensure that the data got certified and that we knew we were dealing with certified before we moved forward with our proposed redesignation request. So we're kind of following our typical process, where it gets a little bit unique in this circumstance is that back in 2016, when EPA initially designated the area unclassifiable, meaning they weren't able to determine whether the area was meeting or not meeting the standards, um, there was a petition filed asking them to reconsider that, that um, choice that they had made. And EPA partially granted that petition, saying that they would reevaluate the area um, based on the, new, the, mon the data from the newly installed monitors and that they would make that reconsideration um, final by December of this year. So EPA is kind of under a commitment to to reevaluate the area based on the monitoring data by the end of the year. And so they're moving a little bit quicker. Typically, they would wait for us to make the request and then react to it. But the monitoring data is there. And so that's why they're kind of moving forward. And we're kind of doing this parallel path. I'm Katie Quinn, and this was Q. Thanks for joining me today, and for updates on this story, follow me at KDQ News on Instagram. And always, remember, question everything.